yeah, I mean, every day it's fun to just go out and compete um, and get better. Like I can just feel myself getting better, whether it's physically or whether it's just I'm getting better just from learning. And then I know in the off season or overseas, these are things I need to focus on to continue to get better. And that's, it's kind of exciting. Like obviously going through difficult workouts is hard and it's a mental battle of keep pushing yourself. Mm. But I, it's also exciting to see there's so many ways that I can continue to develop. There's so many skill sets I can add and ways I can get better. Mm. And, and that's just exciting to me of, there are so many more things I can do. I just need the time to, you know, work on them, but there's so much more. Welcome to the inside game with your host, Dr. Julie Amato. Hey everyone. Welcome back to the inside game podcast. Uh, this is Dr. Julie with you as always. And this week's conversation is a really fun one uh, for me. This is a player that I absolutely adore, uh, Natalie Kukowski from Lafayette College. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with Natalie uh, for the past four years as a sports psychologist uh, with her program, and she is simply a phenomenal human being. Um, Natalie is also, of course, an amazing basketball player. She was the defensive player of the year and the player of the year for the Patriot League this past year, which is incredible. Um, she averaged 18 points per game, 13 rebounds per game, which was good for best in the nation on rebounds per game. Uh, she's also in the top 10 in the country this past year in block shots. Now, there's so many different accolades for Natalie. Um, she's actually the all-time career leader in rebounds for the Patriot League, which is all the more impressive given that the season was cut short due to COVID. Um, Natalie is the first player in Lafayette College history to be drafted into the WNBA. Uh, she was picked in the third round by the Seattle Storm. And what's really cool is she's actually at training camp right now. So it'll be really fun uh, to hear a little bit about that process. So without further ado, um, let's jump into this week's conversation with Natalie Kukowski. Natalie, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. It's awesome to see you. And we're both wearing our Lafayette Leopards gear. Yeah, got to represent for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, look, Nat, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And, um, you know, I can't think of like a more fun and awesome player to have just because, I don't know, we've known each other for a while. Like, that's kind of the niche of, of this particular episode. You're the first person on the podcast that I've actually been a part of your college career for four years. Crazy. Yeah, I remember freshman year, I think we started off just doing team sessions. Um, and then that slowly developed into one-on-one. -on -one. And it's crazy that it has been four years because I feel like when you play a sport, time just flies by. So to think that it's actually been four years that we've known each other um, is insane. Actually insane. Yeah. But I mean, in a good way, because I from you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it is in a good way. Um, I know. And, and like, of course, I could sit here and tell a lot of uh, freshman year stories of uh, freshman Natalie. But the cool thing about you is, um, you know, you were an impact player, like as soon as you set foot on campus and starting your freshman year and started all four years, um, you know, and, and on this podcast, we talk a lot about the transition, like from high school into college sports, like 
Talk about that a little, like, what was that like for you? Yeah, my biggest transition going from high school to college, I think, was awareness, especially on defense. There's so many things going on that you have to be obviously aware of how you're defending your player, but things are so much faster that you need to be able to see everything and just kind of anticipate in a sense, because if you're reacting to things, it's too late. Um, So that I think like mental awareness and overall pace um, with each level, that's something that is just an adjustment. And I think that was the biggest adjustment for me. Um, Definitely in college freshman year. I I remember that a lot, actually. Yeah, I know it's, it is, it's so different. I mean, in high school, it's like, you know, oftentimes you just ask to shut down the best player and it's a pretty simple way of thinking. And then all of a sudden you have to have all these different looks and places to be and playing off the ball. And so that does require a lot of like mental space and energy to learn that. Um, but I do feel like now, and I think your coach, I think coach Kia would agree your college coach that like basketball IQ is kind of one of your strengths. Don't you think? Yeah, I think, um, the more I'm able to get reps or just watch film or kind of see these scenarios, the faster I can pick up on it. So Mm -hmm. it's, that is an advantage um, in a way that I'm able to kind of adapt quickly, but at the same time, then you get into overthinking and anticipating things, but um, definitely at this level and just having a high IQ, if you just go out and play, like you're going to pick up on things and it's just going to become natural and you just use your instincts in a sense. Um, so that's, that's definitely an advantage of being able to adjust quickly. Yeah. You mentioned something, I think like as a sports psych, not just at Lafayette, but Princeton and other places that I consult, like overthinking is like one of the biggest things I think athletes really struggle with. Like, but you just said it right there. I mean, going from overthinking to just kind of reacting or, or relying on your instincts or trusting your instincts like was that a process for you to get there or was overthinking ever an issue for you um I wouldn't say on the defensive end I'd say more overthinking on offense it's mm-hmm. like let me catch the ball like be patient let things develop and then I'm gonna start making this move anticipating the defense is going to do this yeah and then and it doesn't do that. Oh, well, what are you going to do now? Like you can't anticipate what the defense is going to do. You just have to go. And then you make a read off of that. Like you can't predetermine what you want to do. Um, obviously it's good to have a plan, but things aren't always going to work out based on how you think the defense is or isn't going to play you. So it's yeah. when it comes down to it, you just, just play. That's one thing I've learned at training camp. It's hmm. you have, sets and you have reads but you're just playing yeah yeah I first of all like I can't wait to catch up with you on like what trading camp is like but um I was thinking about what you just said with with college and kind of you know like trusting your instincts and you can have a plan but that doesn't always work out this season for you look I mean you're averaging well over a double double like 18 points a game and 13 rebounds a game and you know, you were the preseason conference player of the year. Um, and so teams knew already, obviously you're in, you're in your senior year and you've been productive. So now like watching you play this year, they were throwing all kinds of crazy defenses at you. You know, there was rarely a game where you weren't double teamed, sometimes triple teamed and 
triangle and twos and all that stuff. Like, you know, so even with someone with a high IQ like yourself, I imagine, I mean, did that get emotional or frustrating for you? Like, how did you manage that? Um, I would say the most frustrated I was, was when there was a triangle and two, because that was something I wasn't expecting. I was like, okay, I can do double teams, like just pinching in on defense. Like I'll figure that out. I'm used to that. But the triangle and two, I was like, this is tough because there's always someone there. It's not like I can get space from someone because their job is literally just to face guard you. Um, so offensively, that was definitely frustrating. Um, but then it just goes back to there's more than one way you can impact a game. So my shot attempts might be down, but I can still offensive rebound, defensive rebound, you know, try to get some steals and flip it to more of a defensive mindset. Um, but I would say definitely the triangle and two. It was, oh, maybe they'll do it. Maybe a box and one. Like, that's fine. But triangle and two was that one, I think, got us all frustrated a bit because it's it's something that obviously is out there, but do you expect teams to use it? Not necessarily. So you don't practice it much. Yeah. Well, I can say, I mean, just having watched up close, you know, your games and, and watching that in particular, there was never a time where if you were frustrated that I could see it. I feel like that was a growth area for you. And, and not that you were somebody who ever like, you know, it's not like you ever like got technical fouls or acted crazy on the court, but you would see frustration or maybe in like a getting rid of the ball quickly or being more passive. I, I just felt like you really, you're not just saying there are other ways to impact the game. Like you really like lived that. And I don't know. I, I was really impressed with that this season, watching that firsthand that you never seem rattled. I mean, is that what it felt like internally? Cause that's what it looked like. It's funny because it doesn't feel that way all the time, but um, I'm glad it comes off like that. It, it's also funny um, when I was growing up because I didn't show a lot of emotion playing, people would take that as, Oh, like you're disinterested. You don't want to be here. Like this doesn't mean anything to you. And I'm like, no, this means a lot to me. Like, I don't need to be that type of person that shows the emotion. Like it works for some people. It doesn't. Um, and I was never really super conscious about it until I was actually being recruited um, for college. And someone had told me you're like, you play emotionless, which is good because not too high, not too low. Like you're just out there playing. And when they said that, I was like, that's actually really good perspective. Um, and I hadn't thought about it like that before, you know, if things aren't going well and I'm not reacting to it, at least on the outside, then teams, you know, are like, why isn't she affected by this? If they're trying to get into your head, it's not working. At least it doesn't look like it's working. So that when I kind of heard that side of it, um, I guess that's kind of something I focused more on, um, whether it was in practice, you know, more just scrimmaging against each other and it gets competitive. It's mm. all right. Like, things didn't go our way that's fine like let's go get a stop on defense things things like that just making the adjustment but not being caught up on on kind of the previous play yeah no I I really was impressed with that with you and I think it also really helped I mean something I know we've talked about as a group is just like emotional contagion right like how the way you are and the way you present impacts people around you so as a as a leader of the team it was really fun to watch 
it didn't really matter if you guys went into a timeout and the other team had been going on a run or if you guys just went on a run, like you were the, like pretty much the exact same in both scenarios. Like it was like, all right, like we're, we're good. We're good. It was all this very like reassuring projection of calm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that has been intentional on your part, but I think it's also just kind of a part of who you are. Yeah. And one thing I will say is I think it was either my sophomore or junior year, we were actually doing a team session with you when you were talking about emotional contagion. And while obviously showing emotion about frustration isn't good, you need to show like that positive reinforcement. Like if it's a good play and you like, even if I'm on the court, which I didn't really show um, kind of that energy after like a big play, whether it was myself or one of my teammates. Um, and I remember you saying like, that makes a difference. It doesn't have to be all the time after every play or something like that. But as much as you don't want to show kind of the negative frustrations, that's it's like, it's important to show the positive like reinforcement and just that energy. Cause that's, that's where the contagion comes in. And that I think is, was something that I tried to focus on after you kind of brought that up. Yeah, no, I could feel that from you and, and you're obviously a great uh, encourager you know, of your teammates and, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's, it's kind of funny. You said two years ago, you heard that from me and you remembered that's impressive. That was a, I think it was honestly about a play I had made or something and people were coming over and like chest bumps and stuff like that. And I was just emotionless. Like a dead face. <laughs> wow. Like, it's all right to smile when you're on the court. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> No, it's so true. It's so true. Um, you know, Natalie, I, I, you know, obviously, uh, as a psychologist and working with players, like sessions are always confidential, but I think you'd be okay if I share this, this conversation that you and I have. And if not, I guess I'll have to edit it and delete it later. But um, I remember this year, you know, people were throwing these junk defenses at you and, and overly focused on you. And you had gone through a little stretch where the scoring wasn't as prolific as it usually is. And you know, we were just talking about, I don't know, it was a point in the season where you guys just really need to get some wins and, and, you know, start having some statement games. And, and I remember asking you, I was like, have you had like a 30 piece yet? You've thrown 30 points in a game yet. And uh, you're like, no, like, I think I've been close. Like, I don't even think you totally knew you were like maybe 27, 28, something like that. I was like, what the F you waiting for? It's the kind of sports psychologist I am. And you're like, okay, Dr. Julie, you know, basically like, okay, whatever. And like next day, like you did it. Like it was literally the next day you did it. And, and I don't know to this day, like, I don't know that we've really like processed that, but I, I was like, was that just like in your mind then? Or is it a personal challenge? Or were you just, was that just kind of giving you permission to be like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to take over this game. Like what did something click for you there? Or was that just like a random association? I think it was kind of like every time I get the ball, my first option needs to be myself. And do I have a shot or can I make a something? Right. And that's something that obviously over my four years, being more aggressive has been a growth edge. Um, and I think after you said that, it was really like, okay, like enough of these conversations. Like I've like, that's all people tell me sometimes, like just go and do it finally. Um, and luckily that day too, like the shots were going in, but mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I remember that game. I, cause I actually remember that conversation too. And it was just every, every shot or every time I get the ball, just look for your shot. And I think a growth edge for me over the course of the season 
end like my four years was it has to start from the beginning. Like it can't be, let's wait for everyone to get into a flow and then like you can go do your thing. It's no, you need to like assert yourself from the very beginning. Yeah. And that, I think it was like the first play, um, I like made a move to the basket and that's kind of just how I started to get myself going. And I mean, it was a close game, so we needed scoring. Um, yeah. It was just kind of the mindset of like, I'm here to score. Like I need to score. I get the ball. I'm going to be open. Like, even if I don't think I'm open when I watched film later, I actually was open. So just take the shot, you know? Yeah. I, I think we did break it down to that, that like, if you could just promise me one thing, you know, as soon as you touch the ball, let the first thing you do be to look to score. And, and so I, I love that. I mean, I think Natalie, one of your great strengths as a human being is that you're, you're unselfish. Um, you actually end up having quite a few assists in the game. Like you're, you play center and you end up dishing the ball quite, you might even lead the team in assists, I think, um, from the center position. And that's not an indictment of anyone else on the team, by the way. You're just, you know, you share the ball and people double team you and you're smart in the way that you pass out. Um, but I think sometimes when players are unselfish and you care very much about your teammates, you know, both on and off the, the court, one of the things that that can do in the negative direction is you're a little bit too unselfish, a little bit, yeah. you know, take yourself out a little bit. Yeah. But I think yeah. I saw you grow in that way this year. Yeah. It's also as much as I want to share the ball, making sure that I'm setting my teammates up for, to put them in a good situation. Yeah. You know, they might be open in a split second, but then someone's going to be right on them and it might've just been better for me to take the shot. So it's right. Right. It, the decision-making process um, was a growth edge, definitely. Yeah. Well, you're fun to watch because you're a beast on both ends. I just love like when I see somebody shooting and I'm like, they shouldn't have done that. And then you block it. It's <laughs> like, you always make me look smart um, on the bench when I'm watching. So I appreciate that about you. But of course, all of us that are associated with Lafayette College are super proud of you. I mean, obviously, player of the year and defensive player of the year this year, that doesn't happen very often, but super deserved. And then we all sat on the edge of our seats, waiting, waiting to see um, if you were going to get scooped up at the WNBA draft. And then dun, da, 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 you did. Yeah. Um, you got to talk to me about that because we haven't caught up on that yet. Like, what was that like for you? Every emotion possible. I remember. So the draft was on Thursday night. I think I came home from school Wednesday and like, my parents and I were all super anxious. Like we all like the elephant in the room. We all know, like, are you going to get drafted? Are you not? What's going to happen? Like, yeah. When like a third round pick and you're on the bubble, it's like, well, you could get drafted and then go to training camp. And then we don't know how long you're going to be at training camp. There's so many unknown things. Yeah. Uh, so we just went about our night trying to like, not ignore it, but not focus on it, you know, catch up and, with life and everything and then Thursday I was surprisingly calm and I think it was just because everyone was reaching out to me just saying like we're proud of you no matter what happens um, just enjoy the moment enjoy the day um, and like I said like we support you 100% and so I just spent the day like trying to keep myself busy um, and then the draft came and you know the first round it was exciting to watch other people get drafted the second round got a little more tense and especially towards the end of the second round. And then the third round came and, you know, at that point people are just getting picked rather 
frequently. So we're we're watching the bottom of the screen, and then you hear like the uh, the sound when a team's about to make their projection <laughs> or their select. Yes. And then I'm like, I've had enough of this. Um, and you're just sitting there, and I was like, okay, like I don't think it's gonna happen. My family was like, I I didn't say it, but that's how I felt. And everyone was just silent. Like if someone said something, no one responded. Um, and like, at this point, I'm just going to be happy for like the people that get their moment. Like if, if it's not me, like I'm glad for that other person. Yeah. And then my name was on the screen. And the first thing I remember is just people yelling. And I'm like, what? And then because I couldn't re- like I saw my name, but I couldn't process it. You blacked out. And, <laughs> and then it was just like mayhem like I jumped up like hugged everyone people started calling and it was just like it was just every emotion possible but it makes it all worth it like it's just a a feeling of just being with my family for that moment too and then like I said everyone reaching out is just just an incredible feeling and something that I'm obviously going to remember forever um but just to have that moment it was really humbling too um, especially to be picked by Seattle and get the opportunity to experience training camp with this culture and this program um, is just amazing. It's, yeah. Oh my God. I can't even tell you like my parallel process of watching this draft at the same time as you. And, you know, obviously like I was feeling some kind of way with my kids and stuff. We're watching, we're like, I'm like, please, you know, let it happen. And um, I can only imagine what it was like, but that's, that's a great, uh, I could totally feel that sign. Like people were talking, nobody's answering. It's just, um, and it's like, why are you talking? Like, why yeah, you? I'm picturing your dad, like, is he six, eight or six, nine dad? Eight, six, eight. He is a very tall man with very big hands and just a gentle giant. And I'm just, I'm just picturing him. Like I would love to have him on right now and ask how he was feeling, but I'm guessing he was like nervous. Yeah. The, uh, well, obviously the draft was interesting because things, I mean, projections are never right, but, right. And mock, but things, it, which made it exciting where people were getting picked like that, but then it's like, well, this person's still on the board that plays the same position as me and she hasn't been picked yet. So obviously they're going to take her over me. Right. And the time when you think you might get called and you're like, you feel it and then it doesn't happen. And then you're like, okay. And then you realize there's only 36 picks. And before you know it, it's the third round and it's literally like make or break now or never like your moment is about to come or it's not. So oh. it, uh, it was a fun night. It was definitely a fun night. And exciting, like I said, just to see how everyone else was drafted and whatnot. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely memorable. I bet. Oh, my God. And then, you know, for a second there, when Connecticut was drafted later, I was like, I think maybe it's going to be this. And then when it wasn't, I was like, oh, my God. You know, so anyway, we could yeah, talk I, all night about how anxiety provoking that was. Yeah, I didn't know who had picks left. I was like. I didn't know Seattle had a pick. I didn't know Vegas had a pick after me, but it was, I didn't know what teams were left to draft people. And then I saw Seattle and I was like, no way. Like they don't need someone like me. And then it was my name. And I'm like, this is just. Yes. Process it. It was. First of all, you are humble. Um, everybody needs somebody like you. You're six, three, you shot 44.4% from three point land. I don't know if you know, but that's like, I feel like top 10 in the country. <laughs> Uh, nah. I don't 
that many, but when I do, I, I hope it goes in. I don't shoot many threes, but when I do, they go in 44% of the time. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but I, you are very, um, you're selective about it. I mean, when you're, when you have it, you take it, you don't hesitate and it always, you know, it feels like it's always good. Um, mm. So you get picked by Seattle and obviously you're still an undergraduate college student right now, learning yeah. virtually from Seattle and you're an engineering major. So I, I mean, I can only imagine what that's like with the time change and such, but like, like I really need to know what's going on there in Seattle. Like, can you give me a little scoop? It's uh well, school wise, definitely the time adjustment um, was a big difference. I remember I met with my professor before I went home for the draft and I said, obviously I'm still going to be participating in classes. Like I'm, I'm not just going to stop school um, because anything can change in an instant. I said, you know, like, I'm still going to try to attend the live lectures, not thinking or knowing I would have been drafted by Seattle and there's a three hour time difference. And uh-huh. if I have an AM, I, I messaged him like right before class or the day before class. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I know I said I was going to make it, but there's no way I can get up for a 5 a.m. class and then have a day full of practice and then get ample rest and then be up for class the next day. And all my professors are really supportive and understanding. He's like, I completely understand. Nothing to worry about. Like the, the lectures are recorded and put online anyway. Um, but luckily, I'm only in two classes. So mm-hmm. I do have... Um, a lot more time not that doesn't have to be um spent on school if it was a normal semester if it wasn't senior spring but great I've always wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest so this has really just been a lot of opportunities here um yeah it's um, it's really just been awesome yeah I can only imagine like the level of like talent and competition that you're seeing there I mean I'm not knocking the Patriot League by any means, because we've got some really great athletes, but what has that been like being on the court with like, I call them the 144 and I did not coin that term, but like, I I always think about how incredible it is. I'm like, there's 144 of like the top players in the world. And like, you're there. You know, going into the draft, how competitive it is and how it really is the best of the best. But I feel like it's not until you're actually playing against them that it's like, these really are the best of the best. Like they're pros. They are pros. They are vets. They know, they know the game so well, whether it's from playing or just watching or talking to other people, it's, it's just so impressive and it's just awesome to see. Um, and of course, like you're starstruck at first a bit. You're like, is this really like Sue Bird, Candace Dupree, like all yeah. these people. And then before you know it, you're the one defending them. And it's like, okay, no more time for this. Like you got to play. Like, um, but it's just to have vets like that, um, really just like adds to the whole experience, just the knowledge that super as a point guard, um, and as a player and with her passing ability, you always have to be ready for the ball. Like you're giving her a handoff and you need to roll to the basket right away because she's looking for you first. She's that type of point guard where it's, yes, I'm going to take my shots, but I'm trying to, if you're open, you're getting the ball. Um, And as a post player, just guarding Candace Dupree um, or just watching her from the sidelines. 
it's hard to describe when you think about like being a pro everything's faster every like everyone's faster there's a quicker pace mm. but then you break it down people play slow like it, it doesn't make sense when you try to think about it but it's something you kind of just understand when you're watching yeah. like she'll sprint into a screen sprint on the pop and then take her time on her shot like even if someone's right up on her like it's not rushed mm. um and that's obviously something in college working with the coaches and coach Nat especially was like be a pro, like take your time. It's in the details. And I'm thinking these people are going to be running right at me. Like I have to shoot it rope, but it's, yeah, they're going to be running right at you, but you're going to do the same thing every time and just take your time. Yeah. And that's how you build like the muscle memory and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just awesome to play with them, play against them, learn from them, you know, mm-hmm. ask them the most random questions about life, about Seattle and they'll joke around with you, you know, like the rookie vet dynamic of like rookies don't get foul calls, but that's fine. Cause like yeah. just for back fence, you know, um, it's just been really awesome just to get to know them, um, and play with them. Uh, yeah, I just, it's crazy to think, but it's just all so incredible. I don't know. I, you and I have never talked about this, but like, was this always a dream for you or did this become something more on your mind? Like later as you start to realize at Lafayette like oh I'm actually like I'm 6'3 like I'm actually I score a lot of points <laughs> like was this, this like a dream at first this was a dream but it was a dream that at times I was like was too big you know like mm-hmm. this is what I want to do but it's not actually realistic and I think it became more realistic in college mm-hmm. um but then again, it's such a big dream. Like I wasn't going around telling people because I was afraid to fail at it. Like I didn't want to put it out there and then be like, yeah, well, this was your dream and you didn't get it. So now what? Um, yeah. So that it, was, it was a fear aspect to it. But yeah, no, this playing professionally was always a dream. I remember, I think it was like fourth grade. You do like a personal bio and it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was a professional basketball player. And yeah. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know about opportunities overseas, so my mind was like the WNBA. And then, get older, there's, there's, um, you see the opportunities available, but of course, the WNBA was always like the ultimate goal. Um, Yeah. So just get, and just yeah. Uh, I hear you. Awesome. Funny though, you mentioned fourth grade because, as you well know, I've got twins that are in third grade. And if I page through their little yearbook and it's like, when I grow up, I will be, and like pretty much for the boys, especially, it's always like pro basketball player, pro football player, you know, whatever. And in your mind, you're kind of like, uh-huh, sure, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> right. But at the same time, it does start it, almost everybody who's a professional athlete, it starts back then like that thought. But for yeah. you, I mean, clearly you did not take a conventional path. I mean, it's not like you were at a power five conference type school. Mm-hmm. Um, so there had to be a lot of work. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, I didn't go to a big school. So that's kind of at first where I was like, am I really going to get like those opportunities? Because I didn't go to the big schools. Like, are people going to know who I am? Um, but yeah, I think, like you said, just the work and doing the little things like rebounding is obviously a big thing, but that it gets you noticed. Yeah. Um, 
and just being, I think, a well-rounded player and being versatile. Because when you get to the pros, people can do everything. Like another um, rookie and I were talking and it's not, oh, you see this post player on the perimeter, like you don't have to defend her. Like, no, you do. Like that's, everyone has multiple skill sets at this level yeah. um, is advantageous for me. But at the same time, you know, it's harder to guard people. Um, and at this level, when you're playing against elite people, they're going to score no matter what you do. Like your job isn't, is to stop them and just make it difficult. Like yeah. no easy looks and then get the rebound. It's, yep. it's a different mindset in the pros. Yeah, no, I get that. It's, it's so true. Um, is there like so far at training camp, are there any moments that have stood out for you where you were like, did you ever have a moment where you're like, I can kind of hang like, you know, like you scored on somebody and you were like, Oh my God, did that just happen? I think, um, just like pick and pop, like shooting, like obviously at this level, everyone is the same size or bigger than me. And back to (laughs) super, exactly. (laughs) Everything back to the basket is just going to be a development thing of just being more comfortable doing that against people that are bigger and stronger. Um, but my advantage is on the perimeter, just facing the basket and shooting the three. Um, mm-hmm. So knock like a few down, like over the course of practice, like I obviously gives myself confidence. Yeah. And to, at practice, I felt like I had a pretty good defensive day. So that was like mm-hmm. inside. I know I can compete with these people, I, but I also understand that spots are limited and I mm-hmm. need time to develop. And just with, with everything um, associated with having a small roster. Like I, I'm realistic in the sense that I just, I need to become more developed as a player, but I'm also not writing it off as, okay, I'm here. I'm never going to be here again. Like it once in a lifetime opportunity, but I don't think it's like, it's not once in a lifetime, you know, like more than once, you know, like hopefully as, like you said, as I continue to work hard, but it's just, there's a lot of growth and development that I can see in myself, but I know that I can do it, um, which is confidence is really just a big thing throughout the whole training camp experience. I love that. I love that. Now, Stewie's not there yet, but I am looking forward to um, hopefully maybe on like the storm social media or something, I'll get to catch like a highlight clip with, with you banging with Stewie, but I understand you have a scrimmage coming up. Yes. Uh, Saturday. We are going to Phoenix. Well, we're going to Phoenix Friday for the game Saturday. And I believe there might be fans there. So that's going to be exactly like it's crazy when we're watching film and then there's fans in the background. And in my head, I'm like, it's been so long since I've played in front of people that it's I forget what it's like, you know, but just communication defense. We talked about that before practice. Like if there's people in there, like you're just going to have to be louder. Um, But I'm just really excited for that opportunity Um, just to see another team play against other people. Obviously, playing um, against these people in practice is great, too. But, you know, playing against other pros um, and just getting like that experience to travel with the team, get some playing time, support my teammates, obviously. Um, Looking forward to it a lot. Dude, you're going to share the court with... Diana Tarasi, BG, Skylar Diggins, like, incredible, like, 
I know. Like I said, this has always been a dream, but then when you're, it's actually a reality, it's like, okay, like I got to pinch myself. Like, is this real? Like, like, yes, I'm here doing it, but it's just like being grateful for this, honestly, every day, because like I said before, everything can change in an instant. Um, But knowing where I stand over the next couple of days is relieving. It's common, you know, like I can just go to practice and play. Um, I know that every moment training camp obviously are being watched and critiqued and stuff like that but it's not like today's my last day there's a lot of uncertainty in training camp you don't know when it's going to be you know like for your time like it's been great having you but you know like Mm -hmm. our other team members are coming back and space is limited um so that can kind of be a battle in a sense of you just made a mistake but like Obviously, people know you made the mistake, but, you know, you just have to keep playing anyway. And they're also looking at how you respond to that. So it's it's a lot of mental growth for sure. Being here. That's crazy. I think a lot of us who watch the league really believe there need to be more teams or at least expanded rosters. Because there's I mean, I've watched you play, Natalie. I know you can compete with with these players. It's just to your point. I mean, people who have got five, six, seven, eight years or more in the league our league ready. Right. And all these teams are, they might have one spot, maybe two at at best. And so it's so competitive. I don't think people totally understand that unless you're in it. So I don't know who can hear me, but like, can we have some more teams? Of course, Natalie's hometown of Philly would be my preferred location. uh, There's so many great cities that are just great sports and basketball cities. Um, But you do bring up, bring up a good point of, being able to expand rosters to begin with or add more teams or hopefully both at the same time. But when you're going through training camp, like you see how good people are, but, and obviously you know that there isn't room for everyone, Yeah. but people that could be on a team should be on a team, but there just isn't space for them at that position. Like there might be spots on the team, but you're good enough to be on a team, but you're not the position we need. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of the battle of, yes, I'm good enough. I need to keep working hard and like my shot's going to come sooner yes. or later. Like just keep, keep your head down and keep working. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, so many players in the W2 obviously play overseas and I know that's something um, that you're probably going to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I signed with the team in the Czech Republic. So from August, like beginning of August through April, beginning of mid-April, um, I'll be over there and then just staying ready for training camp. In the meantime, you know, just always looking for the opportunity, whether it's here, overseas, um, and play against, like consistently play against really good competition. Yeah. Um, coming from like a mid-major school you're you play good people but like I like I was saying before not everyone is really a threat all of the time or they're not as as offensive minded as you are when you need to be a pro so just playing against those people and getting more like better acquainted with the pace of the game Mm -hmm. like developing my skills seeing where I can fit in and impact a team um And I think just growth on the defensive end with just containing people, because like I said, people are going to score regardless, but if you contain them and try to slow them down as best as you can, I think it's all just going to carry over. And it's like a cycle of overseas 
hopefully training camp overseas training camp, hopefully make a team, you know? So it's, it's a cycle. It's a grind and it's a lot of respect for players like Brianna Stewart, who's good enough to not have to play overseas, but she does it anyway. And just the toll that it takes on her body. I mean, it's funny. We'd laugh about it as rookies as like, Oh, like we're tired. There's no subs, but it's like, you have pros who are playing year round and the shape that their body is in Mm. is like Sue Bird, just the routine that she has to take care of her body. It's discipline. It's really just discipline and it's in the details and it's amazing just to see the longevity that people have when you take care of your body. Sue Bird and I are around the same age, Natalie, and like she must cryogenically freeze her body in between seasons. I could see, like, you're trying to suppress the laughter right now. You're trying to imagine old Dr. Julie out there, but like unbelievable respect for what Sue Bird, how long she has been able to play. And she gets a lot of crap, not crap, but like that's what everybody wants to talk about with Sue Bird is like, oh, she's still playing, but like, Seriously, she's still playing and like at a high level. She's like Tom like, Brady. Yeah. Don't make an impact. It's not like she's just on a team yeah. because, like, no, she's the starting point guard. She's making an impact. She just brings such a wealth of knowledge to the team too. And yeah. she's out doing reps and practicing. It's not like she just stands off to the side and coaches. Like yeah. she's in there during the scrimmages and stuff like that. So it's just it. be present and learning from her. Everything she says, I'm like, yes, of course. Why would it not be that, you know? Yeah, you got your notebook. You write it down. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there like a rookie bond, like the rookies at training camp? Is that, I mean, I feel like that has to be a thing. Yeah, we've definitely, um, obviously the first week we're all like in quarantine, stuff like that. But since practices have been starting, we've all definitely been talking and hanging out a lot more, just grabbing lunch after practice, um, talking about our experiences, sharing college experiences, Mm. things like that talking to the vets um yeah joking with just doing silly stuff but it's it's all fun and it's it's to like develop those friendships and those relationships with people through basketball because you know in the future your paths are going to cross somehow like whether it's training camp or team or playing against someone whether in the states or overseas like Mm. you're going to well again in some way yeah yeah Natalie, this has been like a super fun conversation. Like, I'm so glad we chose this way to catch up. Like, I feel like we've been texting a little bit and like, I like want to know how you're doing, but I was like, we got to save it. We got to save it for the podcast. So much like to fill people in on and it's crazy how much happens in one day. Um, And just story. People are like, oh, like, how's like Sue Bird? Like, tell me a story. I'm like, I was starstruck at first, but now I'm like, she's my teammate, you know, like yeah. she's just a normal person, super down to earth, super cool, chill, like easy to talk to. And it's, they're like, Oh, like take a picture. I'm like, I don't need a picture anymore because I'm having conversations with her. Like, that's what I'm going to remember. You know, like it's crazy. Yeah. It's awesome. A little goofy taking the picture too. probably. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Well, obviously, Natalie, like, you know, on a personal level, super happy for you, proud of you. Um, You could not be more deserving of this opportunity and this experience. And you have truly worked your butt off for this. And um, and that's so fun to see. And, And I know we're all like you know, everybody like low key freaked out when you got drafted. Like, you know, people are texting like, Oh my God. Um, 
So it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal for the Patriot League. It's a huge deal for Lafayette College. And of course, for you personally, um, but at the same time, like you also, like you can play, you can flat out play. And it's, it's awesome to see you have this opportunity. I agree with you. It won't be your last opportunity if this one doesn't uh, work out. Cause I know it's a numbers game and we know how challenging that is, but I have no doubt you're bringing it and uh, you're not going to go down without a fight. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, every day it's fun to just go out and compete um and get better like I can just feel myself getting better whether it's physically or whether it's just I'm getting better just from learning and then I know in the off season or overseas these are things I need to focus on to continue to get better and that's it's kind of exciting like obviously going through difficult workouts is hard and it's a mental battle of keep pushing yourself Mm. but it's also exciting to see there's so many ways that I can continue to develop. There's so many skill sets I can add and ways I can get better. And, and that's just exciting to me of there are so many more things I can do. I just need the time to, you know, work on them, but there's so much more. Growth mindset, baby, two words, which I love. I mean, you're a learner. Um, You're so smart. I mean, like, the fact that you're pulling things out that we talked about like years ago is so impressive and, and, there is a lot, there's always a lot to learn, but like you learn quickly. And mm-hmm. so that's going to give you a leg up too. I have no doubt that you are being a sponge right now and absorbing it all, which is, which is awesome. Most definitely absorbing everything, every conversation, every play, every mistake, also just making mistakes. Cause that's part of the process. And then recognizing that situation the next time and doing better. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. We were so mentally tough. You've been through a lot of sports psychology, so we're not going to allow mistakes. And you know, Dr. Julie Lingo, the, the micro failures. I'm like, no, 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 we don't get caught up in those. We let those go. We move on. And I feel like you're one of the best at that. And, um, and again, just so, so proud of you and so grateful for your time to chat with me. No, thank you. I love doing this. It's really an honor. Um, to be honest with you. So thank you. Thank I know. You. I would shoot you guys the podcast. I'm like, Oh, I started a podcast. Listen to so-and-so like WNBA player. And now you are so-and-so, which is like, that it, yeah, that's incredible. So thank you. Circle. Yeah. You got it, Natalie. All right. Wishing you the best, my friends. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the inside game. Please remember to like, subscribe, and comment to support the podcast.